Welcome to Michigan Ice Guys, podcasting to help you fish hard water better. It says we're recording. Oh, it says we're starting. Oh, no, well, mine says record, but. Huh. Hey, guys, it's Chaz and Steph, and we're back for another episode of MI Ice Guys, talking about some hard water fishing in the Great Lakes State. Hey, we got to go fishing last weekend, and uh, we had to go north of Grand Rapids. Uh, sad to say it's getting to be that time of the year when our season is coming to a close, especially for those of us that live here in the Lower Peninsula. The farther north you got, the better the ice is. Uh, the good news is that uh, if you get just north of Grand Rapids, there's still some hard ice out there. Uh, last weekend, we were out on a little private lake by Pearson, and we got we had great ice. It was, what do you think, Steph, seven, eight inches? Yeah, seven, eight inches of good, clear ice. Yeah, and the overnights had been in the teens, so it was actually pretty slick out there. We were walking with the Catulas on, and uh, not sure if that was scaring the fish or not, but... Um, it, they were definitely spikes were necessary to put on your boots. Definite requirement. <laughs> um, uh, we were having a little discussion about some past years when we've traveled overseas and certain people talking about the noise that the spikes make and if it does spook the fish or not. And I said, I would rather spook fish than land on my ass. So, uh, Safety tip for those of you that are still getting out there, set of spikes is actually a really good idea this time of the year because even if you get out on a lake that has some water on top, that can make it really extra slick with a hard rubber boot. Oh, for sure. Those boot chisels from K&E work excellent too. Yep. Boot chisels are another good option. You can even get away with things like the yak tracks that a lot of guys get for the do running and stuff that are a little bit of a spun wire around a rope, but anything to help you not fall on your butt is a on that glare ice. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you that aren't going far enough north to get that glare ice, or maybe going out later in the afternoon after the sun's cooked on it, you might be running into some kind of mediocre ice or even bad ice. You know, we like to describe it as modeled ice. Uh, brings me back to our trip to the Ukraine when we had to uh, travel a horrendous distance in an extremely slow bus to get out on ice that was not secure. And go up and down a mountain. Yeah, going up and down the mountain did not add to the bonus on that. But uh, one of the very big characteristics of it is that when you start to run your auger into the ice there, you're going to get really big chunks instead of shavings, clean shavings. And that comes from the water soaking into the cracks in the ice, the minute cracks. And it's actually really wet ice. and It's in the midst of melting. So that's ice you want to be very, very careful with. Um, I remember there in Ukraine when Steph walked quickly across a big chunk of ice and 
as mm-hmm. I walked across it, I was a little bit surprised at that. Probably what what do you think it was? Ten foot by twenty foot chunk. Yeah, it was like a big triangular chunk. Yeah, and I walked across it, and the minute I stepped on it, it went down about three inches. So it was just like a free floating big chunk of ice. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I just kept walking, walked toward the other side of it, and then drilled my next hole. And then I turned around and I'm like, I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> Could I watch Chaz hit that and watch him kick it in boot scooty gear once he stepped on that piece? Yeah, it's uh, rather unnerving <laughs> when the ice moves beneath there, your feet. Yeah, there was a good about a you know almost a foot of ice, but that chunk was was a free chunk. And then the Mongolian team or somebody was behind us and. I don't know. They screamed like little girls and ran around the outer edge of it. They wouldn't cross it where Chaz yeah. and I walked right across it. <laughs> but it's definitely uh, something to watch out for because that can be getting rather unsafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a day or two later that we had the situation with our good friend, Anthony was kneeling on the ice and a big puddle was forming around him because the ice was so water soaked and, just Actually, getting deeper. He was sinking slowly. Uh, then later on, then I believe the next day, they actually had somebody, uh, one of the other team's coaches, put a leg through the ice, and that's when they called the tournament off and said, we're done. Everybody off the ice. We don't need anybody injured. Um, so that modeled ice that comes out in big chunks, that's one big sign. Another is the edges. I know... I fish Reeds Lake there in East Grand Rapids, and that's a very urban lake. So it has a lot of runoff from parking lots and streets and things around it that deteriorate the edges very quickly. And depending on where you fish, you may be in the same thing, and those edges can be very fragile. So even if you could jump across that gap, it might not be the most secure place to land on. Yeah, a few years back, Chad, I, and his son, Brian, were up on Hamlin Lake. And the guys had put like a, you know, like an eight-foot two-by-six, you know, on shore to get across the the crack out onto the ice. So we were using that for a few days. And on the last day, we had it up there in position, and we went out there, and we fished you know, across the lake by the boat docks there and we're fishing away. We the fish were on fire. I mean, nice size gills, late ice. And all three of us caught our limits. His son was doing great, having a blast. And we came back across and well, that crack, that board was covering open to about eight feet and the board was over on shore and gone. I mean, so we had eight foot of open water to get off the lake. Well, there was this, bigger chunk of ice like a six foot chunk so i jumped on that kind of rode it across pulling my jet sled and then i kicked it back across to the guys so the next one could go and that's how we got off the lake that day <laughs> man that sounds like a, a near brush with a swimming lesson oh yeah i mean that was i don't know water was only maybe a foot deep but you just didn't want to get wet anyway <laughs> right and that's one of those things, you know, I keep bringing up my dry bucket that I carry that has a spare set of sweats and a hoodie and such in it so that if I do get wet, I'm prepared for it. Because once your boots fill up and 
you know, I know a lot of guys are still wearing Mickey Mouses and stuff that are only, you know, 12, 14 inches tall. Even our uh, Norfin boots are only about 24 inches tall. Yeah, driving home with a soaker. Yeah, that's not a good, that's Mm -hmm. not a good feeling. And it definitely is the end of your day because hypothermia is a very, very serious concern. But as you guys are out there, you know, this late ice, as Steph mentioned, can offer some great, great fishing. You know, if everything lines up, you can really get into some great schools of fish and they're, they're hungry. They're ready to put on the feed for that spring, spring fiesta they're going to have in the beds. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, as we found out on Saturday on our private little secret lake, uh, a bright bluebird sky, as my friend Joppy describes it, is not the best thing to bring on a good fish bite. <laughs> uh, I think those, at best, we could refer to those fish as skittish. Yeah, you could not stay on top of them. We'd spot them on the live scope, drill on them, and they'd disappear. They're this way, they're that way, they're gone, they're scattered. I was like, and when they, they did left, not appreciate it. And when they left, they left more than 70 feet away because <laughs> we couldn't see them again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was walking up to a hole. Sometimes it was drilling a hole. Whatever it is, we became specialists in catching very tiny fish again. Because <laughs> that was about all we could tease out our little tiny bluegill out of the, Off the bottom. really low weed beds on the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you can get near that edge of the ice where there's some fresh flow in, maybe something rinsing in, some larva hatching, something like that, you can get into a school that is really, really hungry. Now, the same thing can hold true if you're on a lake where the edges are gone. And maybe shore fishing is a good option if it gets deep fairly quick. Yeah, especially for the perch. Yeah, those fish are going to be right around the edges. Perch spawn right at ice out. You might be able to get into some great messes right there and put some uh, fish in the freezer or in the fry pan like I plan to do later tonight. (laughs) Going to warm some up, are (laughs) you? Well, yes. I I did get some, and so I've got some that I've just cleaned. So I think I'm going to have my last fresh fish fry of the ice season tonight and uh just gonna do a little egg wash a little simple uh flour and cornmeal batter and maybe a little bit of uh potatoes with it i think that'll make a great dinner tonight so guys you know this segment's really about that last ice and if you have the opportunity get out there and enjoy it but be extremely cautious It is that time of the year when a lot of people get wet again because bad ice, bad edges. Uh, A lot of these lakes, you may not realize how fast it drops off at the spot you're used to walking on the ice at. Uh, A lot of rivers are opening up real quick. Yeah, moving water. Rivers, springs, weed beds. All those kinds of things that can cause thinner ice. It's a good thing to watch out for. Hey, on a more positive note, when we come back, 
we're going to talk about the NAIFC championship and uh, kind of give you a little rundown on that. But Chaz and Steph here having a beer and uh, talking about some late season ice. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Chaz here from the MI Ice Guys. I want to talk to you about K&E Stopper Lures, especially the Scandia line of tungsten jigs. I've been having a great time fishing with these this year and last year. The new colors are awesome. Check them out. Get out there to your local sporting goods shop and look for that blue packaging with yellow text on it. Pick up a Scandia lure or 10. It's a whole lot of fun to fish with. They're bright, they're durable, and good stuff. Hey guys, we're back. And NAIFC, the North American Ice Fishing Circuit. Uh, their championship, and this is actually the 2020 championship, uh, got rescheduled. COVID and the Wu flu and all those things. Uh, it was supposed to be on the 20th of December, just before Christmas, but Minnesota, there wasn't really an ice fishing state around that would let you get a group together and hold a tournament. So other than North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, North Dakota's a little far out for mm -hmm. a lot of our teams. Uh and Florida would have but really bad ice fishing down there. Floating. So <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be meeting up this weekend, and uh, as we were discussing off the air, probably a lot of our buddies have already driven out there or driving out there to get out there and scout the lakes. Yeah, a lot a, of them went out on Saturday. Yeah, it's a two-lake tournament, two-day tournament. Yep. And if you listen to the last episode where we had Chad on, uh, he gave us a little bit of a rundown on it, but we thought we'd revisit it a little bit. And it is a two-day total weight tournament. So day one and day two add together to determine who is the champion. And there's actually a lot on the stake for this. I mean, the pot can get up to, you know, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 for this, as well as a championship ring that, I mean, it's a nice ring. It's kind of like a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. Very Our cool. good friend uh, Uncle Myron, he's got a pair of them, and Chad's got one, and Anthony's got one. So uh, it's a really, really big deal to win this tournament. And as Chad was explaining, you know, you turn in your eight bluegills and eight crappie per day, and they weigh them in. But there's some strategy. And Steph, you've been out to the tournament. Can you talk a little bit about the the strategies the guys put in? Yeah, a lot of the, the strategy that uh, the, the top teams are putting in is they're uh, using their – they're running two machines, uh, you know, a pair of quads, a pair of sleds, but they both have the live scope running. And they were uh, following schools of the big crappie because if you don't have your big crappie, you're, you're going to be out of it because the crappie is where a lot of the weight is in the panfish tournaments. And one, 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 one member would find them, point the other guy in the right direction. He would find them, pinpoint them until somebody could drill on top of them, go down and get one or two of them. Then they'd be moving again and back on that hunt. But once they split the school up, 
they would have to go to a, like a different part of the lake uh, to another school. And that other school, the, the other school would come back together again. So they would just switch back and forth. So they weren't just breaking them up into smaller and smaller scattered groups. They just hunt the big groups and until they got their limit of crappie. And then they started pursuing uh, the bluegills. Yeah. Now, as we learned at Houghton Lake, crappie doesn't always win the day, but no. it is the basis for mm -hmm. the majority of the weight. Um, Chad and Anthony weren't able to find the big bluegills at Houghton Lake and thus came in second. That team from Montana sure found them. They were some yeah. bad light. They had some of the nicest skills of the tournament. They had some real, uh, real close to trophy ones out there. Oh, they were beautiful fish. Yeah. Yeah. So Chad was illustrating that he said, you know, you really got to be in the top 10 or such on day one to feel comfortable to be in the running for day two. And he said a lot of that had to do with the lakes that they're going to be on where the uh, day one fish were probably going to be bigger just from what he knew about the lakes. So there is quite a bit of strategy when you go into these tournaments, especially something as complex as a multi-day, multi-lake tournament. Mm. And it, it, it's quite the thing to see. And I know that, Steph, you've been out there and helped officiate a little bit, and we've both been at these tournaments helping with the administrative side. It, it's quite the adventure. Oh, yeah, it's and a lot of fun. If you get a chance to get out there and go to one of the tournaments just to spectate it or be a participant or go to the, the, the rules meetings and such or, or go to the go to the weigh-in. The weigh-ins right now have been outside, but the guys are all willing to share what they caught them on and maybe even drop your waypoints. Go here, go there, try there, use this. And when the tournament's over, they're leaving back to their own states. They don't care about that on lake fish. anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, it was very interesting talking to some of the uh, young guys that were came out to volunteer and help up there at Houghton Lake. And, you know, a couple of them worked over at uh, Lyman's Bait Shop. And if you haven't stopped by Lyman's up there on Houghton Lake, it's a, a really cool little store. Got great bait and great selection of equipment. But those guys, they were asking all these questions and they were like, why is everybody so tight lipped? I said, they haven't weighed the fish. <laughs> as soon as they weigh the fish, they'll have all kinds of stories to tell. Yeah, oh, yeah. And videos to show. Videos. They pull out the aqua views and show those. They'll show the stuff off their phones, everything. They're, they're very open and, you know, they're kind of like us. They love to talk about ice fishing. Yeah, because they cambered some nice walleyes, too, out there on Houghton. Yeah, so stepping out to one of these tournaments is a great experience, and I'd invite all of you to take a look at NAIFC.com and keep it in your favorites under all the other ice fishing stuff. And keep an eye on when they're coming to Michigan next year and what lake they come to. Uh, we've been doing some talking and seeing if we can move it around a little bit, but we'll have to see. I know that we've been there when it's been on uh, Hardy. Uh, we've been there when it's been on St. Helen, uh, Hamlin, mm -hmm. and now Houghton Lake. 
Am I missing any other lakes that NAFC's been on yet? No, I don't think so. Man, we ought to take them over to Trufant. <laughs> mm -hmm. Put them to work on that lake. Heck but yeah. Anyway, guys, it's a really great thing. And if you go out to Facebook and check out NAIFC, quite often they'll have some video dur live during the weigh-in, pictures of the guys with uh, what we call big wood. And that are the cross-sections of a tree that have been laser etched and lacquered up. And those are the really coveted trophies from every tournament. You know, money spends, but the wood is forever, the guys say. So it's it's quite the experience. Hey, we're going to take a short another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some uh, more tactics, that ways that you ought to pursue those late ice fish, and maybe with a few more tips about how to tackle them from the shore. I'm Chaz, and Steph's with me. We're going to grab a fresh beer and be right back. Guys, when you're out on the ice, do you protect your eyes? Liam I Ice Guys have partnered with Costa Del Mar Sunglasses. Made in America, made by hand. The thinnest glass technology for sunglasses. 100% UV protection. We love our Costas so much, we took them to Finland to the worlds. They allowed us to see where other people had been drilling before, protected our eyes in the blowing snow, and kept us looking good on the ice. Made in America, Costa Del Mar sunglasses. Get them online, get them at a local retailer near you. Remember, tell them the MI Ice Guys sent you in. You need the best. And we're back, guys. Well, we've been talking about the weather, and here on my other screen, I just pulled up the 10-day forecast for the Grand Rapids area. And the next three days, they're talking 60-some degrees. That's crazy warm. I'm going to break out the shorts and sandals. It's just nuts. I mean, they're you talking know, lows in the 40s and 50s. That's going to be crazy down on? there. Mm -hmm. And rain is coming. So that's going to be killing killing the edges of these ice lakes. So you might have to drive north. And for those of you guys that live north, treasure your days because they're coming to an end fairly soon. But uh, we were talking in uh, the first segment about some tactics and ways that you can fish those edges and work towards them. Now, earlier in the season, we had a couple open water sections on Steph's dad's lake where mm -hmm. we were able to fish pretty close to the edge and found some decent schools. And, you know, there's going to be more oxygen out there where there's soft water. And there's actually going to be where there's a flow or some runoff from a parking lot or yard or whatever. There's going to be some food coming in with that as well. So you might want to start reconsidering what you're using. And sometimes a smaller bait might be the thing because, you know, these are larvae washing in. So they're not going to be feeding on bait fish quite as much. Uh, they're going to be out there where the oxygen is. And it can change things up quite a bit. Another trick that uh, you can use is using a slip bobber from shore. Put your jig underneath that slip, bo slip bobber. Yeah. Cast that out there near the ice. I, I've even known guys, and you know, Steph's talked about it. 
pop the thing onto the ice and just drag it real slow until it falls in the water. Mm-hmm. Done that steelhead fishing. <laughs> and it's just a great way to get right there close to the edge. And with that slip bobber, if you're tricky with it, you can actually do a little jigging. Yeah, you just pop it a little bit. And, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to do your tight line in then, but hopefully the fish are going to be a little more aggressive and hit that thing. So you're going to be able to notice some action on the slip bobber or even maybe feel a good tug if you get a good one. Now, the other thing you might want to even consider out there is that as that goes out a bit, the pike are probably going to even be up in there too. Mm-hmm. So setting a big pike bobber. It's not a bad idea. Hey, man, that's like a floating tip up. Kind mm-hmm. of, except you don't land her by hand. You know, you, you got to kind of think outside the box as season's coming to an end here for ice fishing and it's not quite time to go over and pull the bar- boat out of the barn. Yep. But, uh, you know, you got to think those things. And if you're like me, you've got a hell of a lot of ice fishing bait left. You got to figure out something to use it on. Mom's turtles. <laughs> Mom gave the turtles away. We're going to have to find a new <laughs> consumer on those. Our friend Doug has a turtle, so maybe. But, uh also, it's probably time to start thinking maybe about some of those uh, steelheading opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as our friends Chad and Anthony are back from the national tournament, they're going to be full bore on with their chartering. And you can always check into one of them if you don't have a boat of your own to get out on the rivers. Um, yeah, and get out before the walleye season ends. Yeah. And getting out there on, you know, Saginaw with the winds and the rain and everything's going to be wide open. Muskegon Lake's going to be wide open. Yeah, the river we were fishing with my brother Dale over there on Saginaw, it's all open now. It's it's open water. (laughs) Great time to get out there and get after some walleye. And yeah, it's a little cold out sometimes. The wind kicks up, maybe a little rain. But you know, you got this ice suit that probably work just fine for wearing out there. I know that uh, Steph and I have worn that when we fished with Chad a number of times. Mm-hmm. And it, it can keep you real warm. But, yeah, just some ideas for you guys to keep it going. And uh, as you're starting to put the equipment away, we're probably going to do one more episode to wrap up the championship this year and talk with the guys, and also give you some tips about putting your equipment away. So look forward to that one. We're going to make this kind of a short episode. But thanks for a great season, guys. Be safe out there on the ice. If you can find ice, be extremely safe. Remember, wear a little slip protection, you know, some cleats or uh, boot chisels or katulas or whatever you got. And be smart about getting out on that ice. Nobody needs to go swimming in a lake this time of the year. So we'll be back to you in an episode coming up, probably a week, week and a half, and wrap the entire season for you. But we're the MIIs guys, podcasting hard water fishing in the Great Lakes State. 
MI Ice Guys would like to thank you for joining us once again for one of our podcasts. Be sure to subscribe on MIIceGuys.com so that you don't miss any of our tips and hear a little bit about our fishing stories. Be safe out there, guys. Enjoy the fishing. And may thaw soon.